0: I'm Kate Daniels. We have this one body and this one life, and often we treat it like it's nothing special until we possibly get a wake-up call. A stroke is a big wake-up call, and Courtney Wilkins had the experience as a young woman of 30. She joins us to share her story. Courtney Wilkins, good morning. It is so great to have you join us today.
1: Thank you. It's great to be invited.
0: And you are invited because there is something special about you, and we'll get into really how special it is like, after you share your story. It doesn't sound like it's such a wonderful thing, but I think how you're handling this is what is really special. And that is that at a very young age, you have already experienced a stroke. Could you tell us the story of that, Courtney? Courtney?
1: Yes, my stroke happened on October 30th of 2010, and I was just 30 years old at the time. I was in good health, very active, and suddenly one day while watching TV, realized I was suddenly on the floor beside the couch instead of sitting up on the couch where I'd been a moment before. I realized that my arm and face were just not moving as they should, and so I managed to get myself to a mirror and saw that my face was drooping. One of my pupils is much smaller than the other. And so I knew enough about stroke to recognize that that was a concern. And even though I spent all time thinking, this is ridiculous, I'm 30 years old, I'm way too young for a stroke. And I know now that I should have called 911 to get immediate help, but you did, the, did what a lot of people will do, just called my mom first, and she told me to didn't get help since she couldn't even understand most of what I was saying. I went to the hospital and fully expecting them to tell me I had a migraine and that I should just go home and take some ibuprofen and instead had the major part of the stroke in the hospital. Was unable to move much. I had movement but not control over my right arm and leg. No pain and temperature feeling on the left side of my body. And I couldn't swallow for about four days. Swallowing was impaired for a long time, still is occasionally. And it took me about nine months to be able to hold my head up independently without having some sort
0: of support. That is amazing that all of that went on at age 30. And they also, I understand, said that you probably wouldn't walk again. So I was
1: not expected to walk independently outside of having a walker and being pulled around and assisted um, with someone assisting me. And even with the walker, I was really struggling to get very far. And that was after several months. And then about two years after the stroke, my strategy through the whole thing was, as a kid, I learned to walk by trying and falling, and that's what I would do again. And very much against what the physical therapy goal is of not falling in physical therapy. So at home, I would just dump a lot of pillows around, and so that I had a safe. I also took years of taekwondo and knew how to fall safely. So I just put pillows and everything around and tried and tried and fell many times until. Um, one day my mom was visiting and asked a question about her email and i decided it would be easier to show her than tell her what to do Start, went to her started fixing the computer she looked at me like you would grown an extra head <laughs> and i was asking her what was so surprising and she said you realize you just walked over here and it turns out i'd walked about five feet completely independently And my distance has grown since then. I still use a forearm crutch for walking on uneven surfaces or outside, just for balance and safety. But I'm able to get around very well, and it's made a very big difference in the ease in which I'm able to participate in things.
0: It is just really amazing. Uh, So on the one side – it's really terrible that you had to suffer a stroke. On the other side of it, though, you've just used it as, well, here's just an experience and I'm going to tromple over it. And, <laughs> and you've just done that proverb of uh, making lemonade out of lemons. Yes, it's not
1: something anyone wants to experience, but I have had a lot of good come out of it. I've met a lot of People that I wouldn't have otherwise met, my career actually changed. I couldn't do the delicate lab work that I was doing before in science research. So I switched to doing computational science work. And that has really, it turns out, been where I really fit. My talents and interests really fall into that. So that has, I think, been probably the best thing to come out of everything. And I found that disabilities make things more difficult, but disability is not something that stops your life. Almost everything you want to do, there is some way to be able to do it. It may be a little different, but that's been a big thing that I've learned and participating with other people in the disability community that we can have a great life, even with some of the challenges and some of the adaptations that have to be made.
0: You are nothing short of an inspiration, really, Courtney, because... You could just really be in a funk and how terrible this all is, but you just really have not let that slow you down whatsoever. And, you know, taking your career and adapting it and, you know, participating. I I saw in a video about you that you participate in the Heart and Stroke Walk. It's just amazing.
1: Well, it's the only life I have, so I don't have much of a choice but to move forward with it. Might as well make the best of it. (laughs)
0: Well, that you are doing. So you have shared how you've taken what was really a challenging situation and and making the best of it. What else might you share with people about stroke in your experience?
1: I would share that emphasizing that stroke can happen to anyone at any age. It's most common in older people with high cholesterol, high blood pressure, a lot of these warning signs, but it can happen to children, young adults. You could be very healthy. So it's important for everyone to know the warning signs so that you are able to get the medical help that I received and to be able to survive and live to go on and participate in things later on. So realizing that there's the main points to recognize are the acronym FAST, F-A-S-T. For FAST, is the face drooping so that if one side of the face is numb or sagging, you can't smile quite right. A is for the arm weakness. If you can't raise both your arms or one doesn't uh, stay held up as it should. S is for speech difficulty, as I've had many times of speech being slurred or having trouble being understandable when when speaking. And then T is the most important. It stands for time because the faster you get into emergency care the better. And within the first within the first couple of hours after a stroke, you're able to a lot of times get treatment that will mitigate the downstream effects and drastically increase your odds of survival.
0: And that's actually happened for you in the sense that you did get there fast enough, not via 911, but still fast enough that they were able to treat you when you had the major part of the stroke?
1: Yes, my heart rate dropped dramatically and nearly, it didn't stop completely, but I would have had, it's it's not very likely that I would still be here if I had not received medical care. Being in the ER, they were able to give me the meds and the treatment I needed to to survive. And that's really what saved my life.
0: And thank God for that is all I can say. You <laughs> uh, have so much to give and are already giving to the world. So you are needed here. So thankfully, all of that worked out. So looking forward, Courtney, and the fact that American Heart Health Month, is, the theme is reclaim your rhythm. What does that mean to you?
1: To me, reclaiming your rhythm It's really about taking more control over self-care. And it's really been easy, especially this last couple of years with the pandemic and all the other life difficulties, to get swept up and forget to eat healthy, forget to rest, forget to meditate, take time for mental health and physical health. And so reclaiming a rhythm of just making sure that you – slot in time during your day to take care of you and staying healthy and staying happy.
0: So that's really important wisdom for each of us. And how are you doing this in your own life, Courtney?
1: I'm reclaiming my rhythm by taking time each day to sit quietly, to pet the cat, read a book, reset, and then also making sure that I take time to eat each of the meals during the day that I eat as healthfully as I can, and that I want to take the time to be able to focus and make sure that my health is a priority and not just a side thought to all of life's little chores that come up.
0: Which, of course, is so critical. So you know this, you've had an experience in your life to really motivate you. Are you able to stay on track? Some days easier than others. There's always difficulties,
1: especially when work gets, gets hectic and there's all the life chores that need to be done. There's errands and taxes and all of that. But by making it such a priority, I'm able to set specific times during the day where, if at all possible, and usually it is to get just a few minutes. I get up and spend about 30 minutes after getting up before I need to get to work. So having that time in the morning that I spend and relax makes a big difference in how my day moves forward. The days where I just jump up and immediately start going, I wear out a lot faster. So I really have been working to do my best about that. It's very also tricky to eat healthy, especially when I have trouble with a lot of the cooking due to one of my hands not being fully functional. But I look for ways to still get as much, healthy food as I can, especially by identifying prepackaged vegetables that are already chopped that I can use safely, and getting nutritious food rather than just potato chips or takeout.
0: Wow. So you're really challenging each of us to have a good plan in place, have a schedule, and really make ourselves an important part of it.
1: Yes. Not always easy, but little steps, of time we'll get
0: you there eventually well I so appreciate who you are and how you approach this you are so optimistic and just convincing in what you've been able to do so determined that I hope each of us I know I am talking to myself in my head about taking these words very deeply into my own life so I am so grateful to you Courtney for being willing to share your experience and using that as a vehicle to help and encourage each of us to uh, take better care of our bodies, the one and only brain and heart that we have to take better care of it.
1: I'm glad to be able to contribute and to add something good to people's lives.
0: Well, trust me, I believe that you are. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, Courtney Wilkins. Now we'll meet Dr. Marianne Bowman, a primary care physician and Seattle resident and a member of the American Heart Association's Board of Directors. She will provide us some important facts about stroke and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Marianne Bowman, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today.
2: It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: I feel it's my pleasure and really so important for everyone listening that this is such critical information important education for all of us as we look ahead here in February for heart health month and particularly thinking of go red for women and with women in particular, here we've had two women I've had a conversation with who have experienced strokes, relatively well, really young women. So what is the situation, Dr. Bowman, with women and strokes, especially at such a young age?
2: We are seeing an increased risk of stroke in women and younger women. In fact, uh, younger women under 35, there's just a recent study published that looked at multiple international studies and found that young women under age 35 have a significantly greater risk, 44% more likely to have a stroke than males of the same age. Um, and we also know now that gap decreases between 35 and 45, and so we're not as sure that women are at higher risk than the males. Um, in 35 to 45 but under 35 we are at more risk so th- this is significant and you know there are several different types of stroke there is the ischemic stroke which is the most common stroke and that is a stroke where there's a blockage in the blood vessel in the brain and so that area does not get blood and you get a stroke um, you get a loss of function of that area There is also a hemorrhagic stroke where you have bleeding into the brain. And when you have bleeding into the brain, then that damages those areas of the brain affected by uh, the lack of blood flow because it's bleeding somewhere else and sometimes the pressure of that blood.
0: So those are basically the two types of stroke that we would be dealing with or having, meeting up with. Yes. Right?
2: Yes. And under, and under, for example, ischemic stroke, there are different types of ischemic strokes. There is an ischemic stroke where there, the blockage happens in the blood vessel itself right there. That's where the blockage originates from a blood clot there. And then you can also have an ischemic stroke if a blood clot comes from another part, for, for example, from the heart. This is what we see with atrial fibrillation, increased risk of clots being released and getting into a blood vessel of the brain and causing that ischemic stroke. Ischemic means a lack of blood flow to that area.
0: And then there's the situation for women being at more risk than men of the same age, when we're talking about under 35. What is that all about?
2: We don't know for sure all of that, but we do know that there are uh, risks from pregnancy, from high blood pressure during pregnancy. You know, pregnancy is considered to be a a stress test for the heart, for women. Um, Birth control pills can sometimes increase the risk. Uh, Hormones, if you have migraines or atrial fibrillation, can happen in um, younger people but not very commonly. So there are lots of different reasons that we think may contribute, but we're still trying to really hone into why this occurs.
0: So the thing is, don't try to unravel it. Just know that this is happening. So with that kind of a, a situation facing us, particularly younger women, but all women, what do we need to do? What do we need to be aware of in terms of how to prevent a stroke?
2: The first thing I want to mention are the warning signs of a stroke because so many um, women, especially younger women, don't even know the signs of a stroke. And so I, I do like to mention um, the warning signs using our acronym FAST because it's so easy. The F is facial drooping. One side of the face, you just look at it, it droops down. Um, a is arm weakness. Uh, one arm won't go up as well as the other or won't stay up. Does it drift downward if a person puts both arms out in front of them? Speech difficulty. Don't ignore it if suddenly... Someone says, "I don't understand what you're saying. It's all garbled or it's slurred." And then the final is T F A S T. Time to call nine one one because we know time lost is brain loss. It is not a good idea to call your friend to take you to the hospital, and so many people do that, including one of your uh, one of our ambassadors, one of your guests. I it don't. happens so commonly, but do not call nine. Do not get somebody to take you, call nine one one because they alert the hospitals, they can start treatment in the ambulance, they can start the assessment so that when you get to that hospital, they can immediately take care of you.
0: Yes, absolutely. The time is truly of the essence.
2: Now, other things that we really do need to pay attention to is a risk factor for stroke and heart disease. And certainly Lillian had that with high blood pressure high cholesterol, family history, all of these things tell you that you are at risk. Increased stress. Uh, we do know that with the pandemic, people are more stressed. People are not exercising as much. There are so many of our risk factors that are uh, have been put to the side or we're not paying attention to them uh, because of the stress of the pandemic. Um, and so, Women of all ages, and especially young women, need to recognize they are not invincible. If you have any risk factors, you need to keep them under control.
0: So the awareness, this education is so critical. So here during February with having Heart Awareness Month, but heart and stroke awareness, what are the kinds of things that we should maybe focus on so that we Focus on our health
2: absolutely we, we do have this we are calling our heart month in February and for go red reclaim your rhythm take back control of physical and mental well-being because again we've kind of lost these last couple of years doing that so reducing stress meditating yoga because when your stress is there it leads to overeating Not exercising, some people smoke, all those things increase your risk. Anxiety and depression. If you are suffering from depression, speak with your doctor. There are many treatments, both with counseling and with medication, that will help. Moving, moving more, and music is a great way to do that. Physical activity improves your mental health, your thinking, Lowers your risk of depression, helps everything, it just makes such a difference. And using music to do that, finding songs you like, finding um, your play, playlist that works for you. And regular meals at home, it is interesting that eating at home with your family reduces stress, boosts self-esteem, and the whole family feels more connected. So that is something, putting down the phones, putting down the tablets, and just eating together there's one I want to mention because under the guidelines from 2017 with hypertension, close to half of American adults have high blood pressure. And of that, 75% of people either don't have it controlled or may not even know they have it. High blood pressure is a leading cause of heart disease and stroke and definitely can be worse for people who have had COVID-19. And then finally, one thing I want to tell you is 70% of, of cardiac arrests occur in the home. So learn CPR, hands-only CPR. Uh, you can learn it quickly. You, you go to 100, 120 beats a minute to a song that you like, like Staying Alive is one that I use when I'm practicing and doing it, and that can save a life. So these are things that we can do all the time, but we really want to focus on in February.
0: So that gives us this really important overview. I'd like to just kind of take a, a detour over to activity. Say that we've been quite sedentary, uh, maybe exacerbated even during the pandemic. So to realistically and really in a healthful way, how would you, how should we plan to introduce activity into our life?
2: That is a great question. I love that question. Uh, we recommend 30 minutes a day of moderate activity um, five days a week, so 150 minutes a week, which is not really very much. Walking is a great exercise. Walking clears the head. Walking is great physical activity, um, and um, you can do it with a friend. Everyone can do it. It's an easy thing to do. We do like people to consider some strength training, but if you're going to start with something, I would start with taking a walk. Bundle up. You know, go out, go out, wear your rain gear if it's raining, wear sun gear if it's sunny, and just enjoy. That is, that is a way to both relieve stress and to get your exercise.
0: And when you were saying to use music, of course, uh, with you know, all of our phone devices, it's so easy to put a playlist in there and have it keep us company and have us moving along quite at a good rhythm.
2: That's exactly right. And it is hard to form the habit. You know, I've always thought it was so interesting. It's so easy to form a bad habit and so hard to form a good habit. But but walking is something that it is worth finding uh, that habit, worth doing it on a regular basis. Put it in your calendar, stop what you're doing and take that break. And, and you you will just feel so refreshed afterwards. Now, I walk with a friend, um, and the day I don't feel like doing it, she says, let's go, and vice versa. And it, it, it is really a lovely way to spend a little bit of time.
0: So that actually underscores what one of the ambassadors, Lillian, said that as she really got into knowing she needed to move, she knew she needed accountability and asked a neighbor to join her.
2: Yes. Yes. That's a wonderful thing to do. And you deepen your friendship with that person because, you know, we women are very good at just exploring feelings as, you know, not looking necessarily for solutions, but just chatting something out and feeling better about it as we go forward. So I, I, I would highly encourage that. And it's also great for your back, great for your posture. All of those things are better with walking.
0: And you mentioned about how stress is such a big factor. Getting out and moving like that, whether it is on our own, but certainly with a friend, that has so many ways that it alleviates stress.
2: Yes. Exactly right. And um, I I uh, became a yoga instructor during the pandemic last year. and um, And I find yoga to be such a wonderful stress reliever as well. Because when I'm on my mat, and I'm concentrating on my breathing and my focus and the postures, I can't think about anything else. And that's so nice to clear your mind. Walking can do that. Being with a friend can do that. It doesn't have to be hard. And each person can find the thing that works for them. But I think it's, Universal that walking does help.
0: I am just so impressed that during this time you became a yoga instructor. What a a great credential to add to your list of credentials already.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. Yes, I've been doing yoga for about 11 or 12 years, and um, normally my schedule wouldn't permit it, but the fact that it was online, I mean, that was, I guess, one of the silver linings of this horrible time we've been in. Um, that it was all online, and so I was able to do it. And then my sister, who lives in Bethesda, Maryland, saw what I had done and had always wanted to do it, so she did it this year. So <laughs> there's two of us now are yoga instructors in our family.
0: So fabulous. So a question then about yoga and exercise, because yoga is considered a form of exercise. Does it equate into using it as exercise if we're wanting to prevent heart disease and stroke?
2: Uh, Well, yes, it is. Now, there are different types of yoga, and you can choose the types you want. Some yoga classes are mainly for relaxation and wouldn't have as much of the physical exercise benefit, would definitely have the wellness and mental health benefit that it would have with it. Um, But many of our yoga classes are definitely uh, aerobic. So you are getting that benefit to the heart and also strengthening because so often you are using your arms, you're using your abs, you're using your legs, and uh, you can get a tremendous workout with that.
0: So if we wanted to join into a yoga class that you're doing online, how would we do that, Dr. Bowman?
2: Well, for me, I am actually teaching family members and doing it Free For people who are interested in in joining me, I don't have a particular website or whatever, it's more word of mouth. But I will tell you that there are many, many online classes available. Uh, Some are free. Uh, My studio, uh, Be Luminous Yoga, has uh, wonderful online videos and online live classes that people can find. But all over our area in the Puget Sound, we can find wonderful yoga.
0: Oh, that's very encouraging. Well, all of what you've said has been so insightful and enlightening, Dr. Bowman. I am so grateful. I trust that all of us are grateful to hear this because we just need this awareness so that we will be healthier for all of our life, or at least most of it, but hopefully all of it.
2: Yes, you're exactly right. And we need people to understand. We need everyone to understand 80% 80% of heart attacks and strokes are preventable. And they're so disruptive to the family members. You can see that with Courtney. You can see that with Lillian and how hard it is, even though they have recovered. It's a lot of work. So better to prevent. And the American Heart Association has some great programs. On Friday, February 4th, we have a 20-minute conversation uh, with an online Wear Red Day rally at 9 a.m. Anybody can join. We'll talk about heart health, and we'll wear lots and lots of red. And so you can always make a donation, too, because we use those dollars for awareness, for teaching, for research, to figure out some of these questions about why younger women are having more strokes. This is why I work with the American Heart Association. This is why I volunteer, because we are making a difference.
0: And I did read that about you, that you are the president of the board of directors, I believe it is, correct?
2: For the western states region, yes, I am, uh, we're divided into regions, and I also serve on the national board of the American Heart Association. It's a wonderful organization to uh, really learn and to really make a difference um, in saving lives.
0: Well, thank you for being that involved, because that is what uh, all of these organizations need is this professional insight. And your dedication volunteering, I'm sure, is instrumental to them, but certainly we're feeling the results of it. So thank you for that. And of course, thank you so greatly for being with us this morning and sharing all the insights that you have provided us. It's really wonderful. Thank you.
2: Oh, well, thank you, Kate, for having me. Yeah, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure, and I hope you have a wonderful heart month.
0: And you as well.
2: Thank you.